This is the On Demand Law Office podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you create margin in your law practice. Our goal is to help you practice law with intentionality, passion, greater focus, and success so that you can lead with incredible influence in your office and throughout your community. This is a podcast where we discuss how to manage your systems, your people, and your office from the trenches. We are practicing attorneys facing the same frustrations as you, and we want to help you discover solutions to your problems. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 14 of the On Demand Law Office podcast with your hosts, Mike Lovell and Brandon Osterbind. Today, we're going to be talking about the seven mistakes that we made when we started out. Um, these mistakes we're going to talk about are things that you can avoid when starting your practice, or if you're already in practice, we're going to give you about seven tips that uh, you can put into practice day to uh, help transform your law office. The uh, first four we'll be going over in today's episode, and the remaining three we'll cover in the next episode. Um, today, we're going to cover uh, topics like uh, taking money up front, tracking your day, uh, staying on top of billing, sometimes your own You are your own worst enemy and uh, not having a case management system. Those are the seven top or four topics we'll be talking about today. Um, But we're going to start off with uh, not taking money up front. That was one of the biggest mistakes that uh, you can make when you're starting your law practice. I think that could be um, broken into two different uh, aspects. You, You can take some money up front, but what I found when I first started was I never took enough. Oh, that's I know. That's right. You realize uh, as you practice to better figure out how much a case is going to take to get done. Right. It's hard to judge. I, and I've heard people say that if you're going to quote a fee, you ought to take how much time you think that it will, will take you to accomplish the representation. And then you ought to double it. Well, that's right. Because, you know, and if you take a, a retainer on a family law case or a criminal case, and then you get into it, and it's going to take double that amount of time, your clients aren't usually going to be very happy. They think that that is the amount. Even if you tell them you're going to bill them more, in their mind, most of the time, that's the fee that they're going to pay you. Right. That's the under-promise, over-deliver mantra. Uh, It makes clients more happy when they realize that you've done something um, better than what you Uh, told them in the very beginning. So if you say it's going to take 100 hours to do this case and it only takes you 80, your client is ecstatic. But if you tell them that it's going to take you 60 hours to do the work and it takes you 80, now they're going to be upset with you because they're paying an extra 20 hours worth of time. Well, and one of those things, if you're just starting out or just a few years out, sometimes it's hard to say, hey, I need a $5,000 retainer on this custody case. That's going to scare away or you think it's going to scare away a lot of potential clients. And and it may, but the thing is, is are those clients you're scaring away really the clients that you're going after? You know, you don't want to work for free. And if you don't get the money up front, you'll be working for free. It's kind of the like the cart before the horse um, or the which came first, the chicken or the egg. Uh, for young attorneys, you have to get experience somehow. And you got to do the cases, but you have to make sure that you're getting paid for your time. So those cases that you're talking about with a client who's not going to pay you anything over and above the retainer that you take in the beginning, if you take a $2,000 retainer on a case that's going to take you ten dollars or $15,000 to complete, you're, just, you're never going to f- see that money. The client's going to disappear. You, you're still in it because you're on the court records. You're going to have to 
file a motion to withdraw. I mean, no one wants to do that. No one wants to go in front of the court and say, Judge, they're not paying my bill, therefore I need to get out. Instead, you're probably just going to finish the case, again, because you're a young attorney and you need the experience, you need the work, uh, but you have to make sure that you get paid for it. So taking a significant retainer up front uh, takes a lot of the pressure out of that, puts the money into your trust account, and you have to make sure that you follow your state's guidelines for trust accounting um, and make sure that you only take that money out after you've done the work to earn it. But that was one of the big mistakes that I, I made when I started off. I, I Some cases I didn't take the money up front, and then other cases I just clearly didn't take enough up front. That's right. And, you know, um, from a client's perspective, um, it, it's kind of a universal principle that you get what you pay for. If a client brings in a large amount of money, they expect you to work, and they think they're getting what they're paying for. You know, when you take a case and you take a low amount and don't charge them very much, they really don't have a lot of respect for you and what you're doing a lot of times, you know? Um, and so actually building that expectation, um, through money is a good way to build credibility in your firm, you know? And then you also have the incentive to do good work because you actually have money to go bill against. So, um, it's, it's important to properly set your fees you know, really think through, you know, your retainers and get your money up front. There's, there was a, I don't know if it's a myth or not, but there's an attorney that uh, told me about an older attorney in town. And, and as he was talking to him, the older attorney said, I have no accounts receivable. If I don't get it, up, I don't have to spend the time billing my clients, you know, after the fact, if I don't get it up front, I'll never see it. So I don't take anything unless it's all up front. And that's not a bad way to go. It might be difficult in practice, but, you know, in the back of your mind thinking, you know, I'm not going to make any more money than what this retainer was. So, you know, that should show you to set your retainers at the right price at the beginning. I think you just have to stand firm. In that consultation, when you're talking about, at the very end, when you're talking about what it will take for you to represent this person financially, you need to say, if if your bottom line is, I need a $7,500 retainer, then if the person says, I don't have $7,500, will you take 4000 The answer is no. You need a $7,500 retainer. If they can't come up with $7,500 for you to represent them, then the answer is no. And there could be another lawyer down the street who would take the $4,000 retainer. I don't know, but that's not your problem. In order for you to do this work, that's what you need. And if that's what you say, you can't back off of it. And, uh, you know, and I know that you're going to want to take clients immediately and try to get whatever comes through the door. And, you know, that's what I did. And that's not necessarily a mistake, but you have to quickly move away from that. You know, getting your feet wet and getting, you know, clients is important, but also getting the right clients at the right price is important. So, you know, when you're starting out, you know, take what you can, but quickly move away from doing that. You know, define your ideal client and go after it. And the next uh, mistake that I made uh, is looking back um, and doing all that I do now with case management systems and with time tracking and billing reporting and financial reporting. Uh, I'm doing a lot more of that now. But one of the things that I think that I, I really could have done a lot better when I first started out was tracking my day. Uh, I think if you just sit down at the end of every day or if you write it down throughout the day, uh, even if it's non-billable work, uh, if it's a phone call with a marketing person or if it's a um, uh, 
expense issue with a vendor, uh, anything that it could be, what I've started to do is I've written down everything that I do during the day so I can look back at the end of the day and feel like I've accomplished something. I think one of the big problems in the legal profession is burnout. And, and I was seeing this uh, in my own life and in my own practice because I would get to the end of the day and I would feel like I hadn't accomplished anything. I couldn't even remember what I did in the morning. So, and it's because you know, a lot of the work that I do now uh, is uh, contingency fee work. So I'll do the work, but I don't necessarily track the time on those types of cases. I, I probably should, but um, in what I'm doing now versus what I did when I first started practicing, I, I record every single task that I do in a day planner um, that I don't use for planning the perspective planning of a week, but the retrospective uh, reflection of the day and of the week. I can look back that week and I can see every task that I accomplished and how long it took me to do that task. Now I can look at my week or look at my day and have a sense of accomplishment because I know that I did things that progressed my cases. So, and I'm sure there's a lot of people going, I don't have time to reflect on all of that. Um, I don't have time to put that stuff together. Um, so, Brent, how long does it take you to reflect on your day? I mean, it's minimal. So I, what I do now is I have uh, one of these daily planners. It's divided up in 15-minute increments. A lot of people use these as their their calendar, um, and that's fine if you want to use one as your calendar. But I'd recommend getting a second one because what I've been doing is just having this calendar open, and I'm writing down at you know, 9 o'clock. I had a discovery meeting with a client to go over their discovery responses, and then at 10.30 – uh, go over notes and make copies of all of the documents provided by the client. So, you know, those are just a couple of examples of things that I did on Thursday. But in, if you asked me today uh, on Saturday what I did on Thursday, I couldn't tell you. Oh, I know. I have that same problem. And um, it, it's funny because both of us have looked like we've come to the same uh problem, but um, I, I addressed it from a little different situ- uh, angle. I created a uh, things to do and tasks list where I have you know about 30 different things I can write down on a piece of paper. And on the right side, I have each day written down into 30-minute uh, increments. And in the morning, I'll sit down kind of what I want to do for the day. And then um, every day, I, I'll block out, you know, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, I want to do this, you know, and, and generally pencil out what I want to accomplish that day. And then... Um, you know, even just listening to what we just talked about, being able to say what I actually did, I can pencil that in there too. So and then I just put that in a folder and I can kind of tell what I did each day. Um, and then that uh, task list that I've written out, I give to my secretary who then puts it in as a task in, in my case. And, you know, I can always go into my case and, and create tasks as they come up during the day, but this is a good way to start each day. And then my secretary knows kind of what I'm working on and can can help me with that during the day or no, hey, from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, don't, don't send any phone calls in. But um, it's a good thing to track your day, whether it's at the beginning or at the end, so you do know what you're doing. Exactly. Now, the third mistake um, that I think everyone struggles with is failing to stay on top of billing and tracking time. So we're kind of talking about the same thing here from a different perspective. Obviously, what we were just talking about was... um, from a a sense of accomplishment, uh, avoiding burnout type of 
uh, perspective. But now uh, what we're talking about is tracking your time for the purposes of billing your clients and then actually billing your clients on the first of every month. Uh, and that's a very difficult thing to do, especially when you're starting out and you don't have a whole lot of help. If you don't have a secretary who does your billing, then it's all up to you. And if you're starting out, I wouldn't expect you to have a full-time secretary. Perhaps you need a, a virtual paralegal or a virtual assistant of some, t- of some kind where you can pay a reduced rate but not necessarily have someone there full-time. Uh, but someone needs to help you with billing. Maybe it's a spouse or a sibling or a parent uh, or someone who can come in while you're running around um, trying cases or preparing documents or, or whatever it is that you're doing in your in your practice, but someone who can come in and help you um, and keep you accountable to billing and tracking your time so that you make sure that you get paid. Yeah, basically, you can be your own worst enemy because if you're not keeping up uh, on your bills, you're not getting paid a lot of times, and then you forget what hours you put in. So, you know, um, setting a dedicated time either uh, twice a month or at the end of the month to sit down, go over what you've done, and send out a you know an invoice to your client to know you know if you're billing off a retainer or you know if you haven't taken that retainer, sending sending that invoice. Clients like to keep up to date on it. Um, it creates a good you know attorney client relationship there when you're actually on top of things, and then you're also getting paid. So you know you can be your own worst enemy and by not doing that and because you're not going to get paid. You know, um, sometimes I find it hard, you know, with clients I like to bill them. You know, I'm like, wow, $275 an hour can be kind of steep. Maybe I'll, you know, but you're in business, you know, and you shouldn't do that. So, you know, you can be your own worst enemy. I keep saying that, but stay on top of billing, set a certain day, you know, entirely aside to send out those invoices maybe a few days before the end of the month and just get it done. That was a big mistake that I uh, made starting out and that you can avoid. And getting to the last um, mistake that we made starting out, and I think we're both on the same page with this, but but it was not having a case management system to take care of all, all of this for us. You know, both of us um, use my case uh, extensively now, and I use my case for all of my billing. So I do um, a lot of contingency fee work uh, with personal injury litigation, but I also do uh, general civil litigation with business disputes and um, property disputes and, and things of that nature, anything that, that puts me in court. And those types of cases are all um, billed by the hour. So I have to track my time on those types of cases. And I do that in my case. Um, and then at the end of every month, like you just said, I'll go in and I will uh, produce an invoice to send to the client. And you can send it Via my case, you can send it in the mail. It uh, doesn't matter how you send it, um, but you need to send it. it, it but you use a case management system. Using a case management system to accomplish all those tasks has made them a thousand times easier. When I first started out, uh, my firm used, uh, I don't even know what it, what it's called at this point. I, I've forgotten, but it was so antiquated uh, that you had to manually put in your time. So I used one of these apps on my iPad where I would type in, um, you know, I can create a timer and it would, I could type in what I did and who I did it for. And then I would print out a list and then I would give it to my secretary. And then the secretary would have to go and type it into this billing software. It was incredibly cumbersome uh, and time consuming. 
and wasted a lot of our resources and a lot of our time. Um, but now I can put in my time, like same as what I was doing before. It's a different app, but now I'm using my case and I can put in my time on my phone, on my iPad, on my computer. No matter where I am, I can put in my time and it automatically puts it into the case. And then my secretary uh, or I can go in and hit create invoice and it's done. Well, and you know, we, we call this as one of the mistakes uh, we made up front. But I got to say, when I started, and that was only a little over eight years ago, there wasn't a MyCase or a Clio or a Rocket Matter. Um, there were, they were cumbersome, there, there was, expensive. Yeah, there was like a PC law or uh, there were some other things out there that were available that I just didn't take advantage of. Right. Well, and and I did. I, I spent $1,200. And when you're starting out, that's a that's a uh, quite a bit of money to lay out. And it was a horribly cumbersome program. And it was so cumbersome, in fact, that I couldn't even use it. So it was a complete waste of time and money. But, but now with um, any of these, uh, you know, software as a service, online monthly subscriptions, we're talking anywhere from $40 to $50 a month. It's really an expense you can't, uh, shouldn't avoid. You know, it's it's not very much, um, and it's billed monthly, and you'll end up making 10 times that in, in productivity if you do it. So there's really no excuse. So, get you know, try their uh, free trials, see what you, you're comfortable with, and, and then just, just do it, because and then you can avoid that mistake. Well, that concludes this episode. Uh, those are four of the seven mistakes that Mike and I made when we started out. I uh, wanted to just point you to uh, iTunes, and if you like what we're doing uh, with this podcast, we'd ask you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, or if you want email updates for, uh, for our show notes and our blog post, go to www.ondemandlawoffice.com forward slash podcast and sign up on the right-hand side of the page for updates. We want you to participate in the conversation, so you can either comment on the show notes, which you can find at www.ondemandlawoffice.com forward slash podcast zero one four or email us at ask ask at on demand law mike any parting words for our audience oh until next week remember to seize the moment take action and shape your future